It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is the fabulous Billboard.com senior editor, Katie Atkinson. Hello. How are you? Doing quite well. How about yourself? I am Jim Dandy. Jim Dandy. Jim Dandy. Mm-hmm. Jim Dandy. I'm Kim Dandy. <laughs> I'm Lim Dandy. Daniel Day Kim Dandy. Sure. Sure. Anyway, um, well, you know, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about things that rhyme with Kim, <laughs> um, and you know the big, you know the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. This week, the show is directed by you, our fabulous listeners. You asked, and we answered. Indeed, it's another Ask the Pop Shop edition of the show. <laughs> We asked you on Twitter and Facebook to submit any burning questions you had about charts or just music in general, and we'll be answering those during the show today. Plus, of course, we've got a chart set of the week about a band that topped the Billboard 200 25 years ago this week. In addition to all of that, we have an interview with Hosier. Yeah, uh, he actually stopped by the office to talk about his new song, Better Love, from the Legend of Tarzan soundtrack, and much more, so definitely stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And if you'd like to explore more podcasts from the world of Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcast. So let, let's get right into this. Yes. Uh, ask the Pop Shop. Got lots of responses. We we picked our favorite ones and the most popular ones. Yeah, and um, um we we canvassed people on Twitter, and frankly, I actually canvassed people in like folks that I knew within the industry. Um, oh, we have some insider questions. Yeah, I, I um uh, I asked like my Facebook acquaintances and mm-hmm. friends who some are just music geeks, some are uh you know people that actually work in the industry. Um, so that gives us a, a kind of different, uh, hmm. a different, a, a different gaggle of questions. Well, I like it. You've done a real sample of society here. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you, you start with the first one here. Yeah, the first one's from Mike Killian, um, who came to us from Twitter at MD Killian nine five four. He asked a very fun question. He said, "Can you replace the vocalist of any band, past or present?" With the diva of your choice. Mm. That is a very fun pop shop question. Diva questions. Gotta yes. love those diva questions. 
Um, I was thinking, you know, because I, I was thinking about this beforehand, because it's kind of like a question like this is, is a is a sort of a deep thought question. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what if like like the revolution or the Commodores was fronted by like say like Shaka Khan? Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yes. Um, I took a few notes too. Okay. I was I think that because of the band question, I was thinking like very rock. Yeah. So then I was kind of trying to think of women who have like really powerhouse rock voices. Like, yeah, yeah. And so um I came up with three that I thought Ooh. all have those kind of voices. So my first one I came up with was Kelly Clarkson. Oh. Who there's a lot of bands I think she could front, but I feel like lately she has um really been embraced by the country side of things. I thought Rascal Flats. What if uh, Kelly Clarkson sang all of Rascal Flats songs? Hmm. I would totally pay for that show. Um, well, speaking of powerhouse divas, powerhouse vocal divas, Pat Benatar, mm-hmm. iconic rock legend, female vocalist in general, who basically has an operatic rock voice. What if she fronted? Van Halen. Ugh, what if indeed? I'm like, what if she was singing like, you know, Hot for Teacher? Uh, and they can't seem to get along very well with their lead singers, so might as well just plug Pat Benatar. I, I think I think after uh, when David Lee Roth departed the group in like 84, 85, I think there was talk about them um, having a woman join the band. That would have been really cool. I want to say it was like Patti Smith, like not like Patti Smythe. Not oh, Patty, okay. Not right. Patti Smith from the 70s, <laughs> but Patti Smythe. Yes, okay. It is Smythe, right? With I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. It's, yeah, the but it's spelled with a Y. Yeah, yes, anyway. yes. So that was another one I thought okay, of. Okay, I came up with Pink. Oh, well, geez. And okay. I feel like, once again, actually, Van Halen, I would go for that. Sure. Um, I wrote down Bon Jovi. Ooh. So I thought that would be kind of awesome. Like you give love a bad name as I, sung by Pink. Totally. Bad medicine. Anything with bad in the title. Anything, you you have a bad, <laughs> bad medicine? I don't think there's any other bad Bon Jovi songs. Um, okay, so that's probably I mean, maybe, maybe there could be. I don't know. <laughs> Um, who else? Who else? Well, like, let's think of like sort of a traditional pop diva. Um, and yeah, I think that's what I was struggling with actually. Like a Mariah right. or Christina. Like, where would you where would you put? Well, Christina them? does have like like she Christi- could do rock. Yeah, I mean, Christina certainly could. I mean, I think Mariah could actually like. We've just never seen it. I think she yeah. probably could do it too. She'd probably she, do anything she damn well feels like she, doing. She, she could. She's covered Def Leppard before. Oh, okay. Bring it on the heartbreak. Yeah. Um, oh, that's like a power ballad. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, can't live if living is without you. Isn't that a Harry Nielsen song originally? True. Like that's that song is. I mean, killer. She could totally do a rock ballad. Hmm. What else? Like, could you know Madonna used to actually be in a band? Back oh, in, really? Back in the early '80s, she was in the Breakfast Club. What um, about some more modern bands? Like, could like Ariana Grande step in with like Kings of Leon? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of an well, example the, the, of like a really powerful. Well, the, these are these are you know kind of these. Are, this is kind of like how the Grammys book the show each That's year, true. where they put they put unlikely mashups together mm-hmm. of things that work that you never really thought of, and then maybe on paper it doesn't seem like it's the perfect thing, but mm-hmm. then it actually works really well, and that's why sometimes these curveball collaborations. You wouldn't think they'd make sense, but sometimes, especially now, you know, music is music, and and mm-hmm. a lot of these artists all love one another and love each Actually, other. Actually, Demi Lovato did a duet with uh, Fall Out Boy on their most recent album. I could totally see her just stepping in for Patrick Stump and singing his vocals yeah. for some Fall Out Boy songs. Powerhouse vocals, yeah. as well. Yeah, well, I think I think I think those are some good ideas. I think so too. Yeah. I think it's a great question, Mike. Yeah. Um, well, this one is from Daniel Meyer, Daniel Meyer Conroy uh, via Facebook, uh, pal of mine. He asks, what album release in the rest of the year is expected to have the highest first week Ooh. sales? We've already gone through 
Beyonce and Drake and Kanye this year, which are all three pretty massive albums. Things that you would typically expect. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking now we, the problem is a lot of these albums tend to be surprises. Right. We don't really know when they're going to magically I mean, yeah, appear. in January, we wouldn't have known Lemonade was coming in April. Yeah. yeah we And we weren't. Uh, yeah. So I think if Jay-Z drops an album, mm-hmm. which seems to have been rumored now for years, you know. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, I think that is certainly a likely contender, but it'll be interesting because most likely he'll probably do some sort of interesting rollout of the album. Like a la, he did last time. It just showed up on your Samsung phone. Yes. So there could be that. <laughs> Um, Taylor Swift, if she stays to her schedule, she should drop an album by the end of the year if she follows how she's normally, her, her normal release pattern. But we have heard from her that she wanted to make herself scarce for a while, and she seems to be doing that now professionally, so. True. Um, I, I feel like, though, her vacations are, you know, like. Working vacations? Yeah, like she's, she's, because when, when, um, uh, I, we interviewed her at the American Music Awards before 1989 yeah and that was like the year before and she's like i already have like eight songs done or whatever it was 1989 still feels new to me but you're right if she sticks with her traditional schedule now granted 1989 was a much larger album for her but still i feel like she still had a bunch of singles from it Mm -hmm. it still had a big world tour behind it you know but maybe she feels like i just need to decompress and take a longer break and kind of regroup and like where am i going to go forward with Mm -hmm. my sound so I think Taylor and Jay-Z are the obvious ones. Um, you know, if there could be some crazy thing that we're not thinking of, like what if, you know, I'm trying to think of like who could do like a Christmas album that would kind of like break the bank. Mm-hmm. Like if, if Adele decides to drop a Christmas album. Or, know? I mean, like we were surprised by Drake and Future putting a project out like that. Like yeah. what if there's some weird collaboration thing that comes out too, like, like that we don't know about. Like, and but it has to be, and you know, who would have thought? I mean, I think anything Drake touches. Yeah. Drake could just drop another mixtape. Yeah. Just because Drake can kind of do whatever he wants right now. This is true. Um, You know, maybe Ed Sheeran drops a surprise, mm-hmm. like, an album, because he's been kind of on the down low. He also wanted to take a, a pause. He, and he really has. From public life, like, yeah. Like, he disconnected from social media. Mm-hmm. He's just like, bye. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think any of those folks would be big. I think, you know, certainly maybe when Luke Bryan's album comes out, I mm-hmm. think he has a new EP or album coming out maybe later this year. That'll be huge. He has a farm tour EP coming out, but that's probably not going to be, you know, set the world on fire. Yeah. Maybe it will. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it'll just be sort of the, the preamble to whatever the next album mm-hmm. is. Yeah. I don't know. Um, there's some thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do we got next here? Well, next up, we have a few questions about Miss uh, Britton Jean Spears. Mm. Um, uh, we have one from Adam Price, who is uh, at Adam Price 4 on Twitter. How do you think Britney's singles slash album will do this next era? And kind of relatedly, Austin from Twitter, at Austin A. Graham. Where's that Britney album? Hmm, where, where's the so, Britney album? Basically, a two-parter of when's the album coming and how will it do? Um, well, if we knew when the album was coming, we would have reported that. Yes. But we assume it's coming this year. So, yeah. I mean, maybe that's the one that's going to do really well this year. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, uh, I asked Keith to grab some stats about her last few albums to kind of see how she's done uh, with her previous albums. Britney Jean is her last album. And it debuted and peaked at number four. On the Billboard 200. On the Billboard 200. And it spent 11 weeks on the chart, which is the fewest that she spent on the chart with a studio album. Yeah. So then we look at uh, what came before it, which was Femme Fatale. 
and it. Well, how did it do on the Billboard 200? Well, it, it, do you know? It debuted. Oh, it at number debuted one, at number one, and it spent 33 weeks on the chart. Okay, so, so clearly already a huge difference in terms of the reception. The big thing is to look at probably the songs, the singles that right. came from those albums too. So f- with Britney Jean, "Work Bitch" and "Perfume" were the singles. On "Femme Fatale," you had "Hold It Against Me," "Till the World Ends," and "I Want to Go," which were all top really tens. big Hot 100 hits. Yeah. yeah, top ten Hot 100 hits. All three of them went top ten. "Hold It Against Me" went to number one. Whereas on Britney Jean, neither one of those "Work Bitch" or "Perfume" reached the top ten. So to me, what this says is not that Britney is necessarily going to go on a downward trajectory. It says to me that it all depends on the songs and the singles that she comes out with right. with the next album because she clearly can make a hit song in her sleep i mean like she's released so many in her career and people still are just obsessed with her i think and you know i mean work bitch did not work um <laughs> bitch. as as a as a as a like it didn't it just wasn't as successful as the 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 the, the level that britney and her fans mm-hmm. and the industry is used to and she could not she could not come back from that with the subsequent singles. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work. Yeah. Um whereas someone like Sia, who we talked about in a recent episode was able to rebound with cheap thrills. After Alive didn't mm-hmm. work. Um I mean they tried with perfume, but it just wasn't clicking. And then, you know, she regrouped and came back with a standalone single Pretty Girls with Iggy Azalea. <laughs> that had like a, a moment where it was really hot and then it quickly went away. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, you know, it's going to be all about the, singles, the single 100%. It's going to be the single. And if it connects and if it if it connects and it and it works, then expect an album to be yeah. shortly following. And if it doesn't necessarily work, then they'll probably keep working on that album and try to figure out what is the, the right map to yep. where they're going to take her. And, you know, she'll just keep killing Vegas. Yeah. The Vegas <laughs> show, man. She, she I mean, that Billboard Music Awards performance. She 10 minutes of just like her career wrapped up into a bundle hairography she looked amazing the dancing yes like she was doing the cartwheel thing i mean i it's never count out britney spears yes is the moral of this story um next question is actually from uh, michael anderson uh who friend of mine on uh, facebook and twitter what artists have had the most top 10 albums without a top 10 hot 100 hit Ooh, i like that question now he has a vested interest in this and you'll find out (laughs) You'll find out in a, in a moment. The answer actually is the Kids Bop Kids. Oh my goodness. And truth be told, Michael actually works for Razor and Tie and Kids Bop. Okay. And he helps. He actually so kind he of. he might have known the answer to this I, one. I told him, I'm like, I think you know the answer. He's like, yeah, but I'm kind of interested to hear about the other acts below okay. Kids Bop. Okay. And I feel like the rest of our audience is probably really surprised to hear that. Yeah. Well, there's a probably surprise that Kids Bop Kids have had so many top 10 exactly. albums. They've had 23 top 10 albums. Um, and people might wonder, well, how is Kids Bop Kids really a, a group? Mm. And it's tricky. It They were effectively a studio group mm-hmm. for like the first, like more than a dozen, 15 or something albums. I mean, or 20. It was just, it was ridiculous. And they were all anonymous vocalists. I don't even know if they were named in the, in the liner notes. And more recently, like in the past, like probably like, I don't know, eight, 10 albums maybe, they've actually been had name like like children and teens that they've recruited 
They go on tour now. They actually have their own like Twitter accounts and social media presences. So it's kind of like Menudo, where They're you kind of age out of it. At, yes, they are <laughs> Menudoing the kids' bop because it, it's because they've expanded it to become like an identifiable brand. So I'm going to remember this day where Menudo was used as a verb on the pop shop. They're Menudoing. Really like <laughs> um, well, after kids' bop, it's actually George Strait. Oh, he's had 20 right. top 10 albums on the Billboard 200, but not a single top 10 single. On wow. the Billboard Hot 100, he's a country superstar and uh-huh. had a zillion number ones on the country chart, but he's never had a pop crossover hit. Because on the Hot he 100. is country to the core, like yes. that's not going to get played on pop radio. Or no. yeah. He's never had like a fluke, um, like Lady Annabellum needs you now hit, or Florida Georgia Line cruise, or yeah. Lone Stars, uh, amazing, amazed, uh, amazed. He was amazed, yeah. yeah. Or a Dolly Parton or a Kenny Rogers. He just. He just hasn't had that happen, mm-hmm. but that does not take away any of his success oh, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So uh, kids, Bob, kids, and George Strait. <laughs> Man, that George Strait could front the Kids Bob Kids. That would be the super group joint tour. Yeah, there you go. It's the Kids Bob Country Kids. Uh, what's next? Uh, next up, we have a question from Mark Greeno, friend of mine on Facebook, friend of Keith's. I'm gonna enlist my friends next. Yeah, time. you should. <laughs> My family's going to ask all the next questions. For I, I, wasn't, I wasn't completely stacking the deck here. <laughs> but, you know, we, everyone had an equal shot at this. Um, I'm sure our audience is going to be very interested in the answer uh, to this one. How will Zane's cancellation of a recent concert due to anxiety affect his career opportunities going forward? Um, he recently, um, I think it was Capital FM, mm-hmm. was a big radio station in, in the, the UK, UK. And they had a big, like, stadium radio show. Mm-hmm. And he canceled the last It might have even been, like, minute. Wembley, right? It was a it was a huge It was a big venue. Big venue. And a lot of people were there to see Zane. Yeah. Um and he canceled, I think, as the show was in progress. Yeah, they put it up like on the screens at the venue and according to people who were there on Twitter, like there was like an exodus. <laughs> like a lot of people left when they found out Zane was not performing. And there were other artists performing there, but like there was there were people there for Zane. Because he hasn't done a lot of live shows as a solo artist yet. Or maybe any? I mean, he's done live TV he's performances. He's done TV performances. Yeah. Now I'm wondering about that. But yeah, he. Uh, so he wrote a really personal message to his fans after that, um, saying that he's struggled with anxiety his entire career. And I think he's acknowledged that having four other guys next to him when he was in One Direction kind of took the pressure, the spotlight off of him, hmm. you know, so he didn't have to feel all of that on himself. But as a solo artist, it, all eyes are on him the entire time, and it sounds like the anxiety got the best of him on that occasion. Yeah, that was going to be my question, too. I didn't know about uh, what he has explicitly said with regards to the, the One Direction. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you've played stadiums before, and how is this different? I'm like, well, that's a very distinct difference. If you're there supported with four of your friends, you know, even despite all their differences that they had, and, you know, they eventually he departed the group— they still had that bond of being together on stage. And he could, if he was having like a moment of like panic, he could probably look over at Liam or Harry and they could be like wink at him or look at him and be like, it's all right, we got this. Or like when it's not his solo part, kind of like run off to the back area yeah. of the stage behind the drummer or whatever, like take a moment and no one's wondering what's up because the music goes on, you know? I mean, just the, uh, we, we, we have to sort of step back and, and think, you know, these are, these are human beings who are expected somehow to stand in front of like 50,000 people and entertain them. And it's all on you. And um, even though like they've had so much success, he has had so much success. 
he really did start as just a normal kid who auditioned for a show and then it's like this runaway train took off. Yeah. So it's like he knew he was a great singer and, and wanted to be a musician. That decision was made by auditioning for X Factor, but was the decision made for like worldwide massive constant spotlight fame like when he was what 17 or whatever when he auditioned yeah so it's it's you know if he's always had like a little bit of anxiety and it's just grown and it's grown it's i can't even imagine how complicated and difficult that is i think this might be a a a bump in the road yeah i don't think it's gonna take opportunities away from him he's such a massive star and his uh solo music has done so well so far well um i think our last question will be one where well we got a lot of questions about this person. We have to talk about the woman of the hour on Twitter when we put the question out. This is her fans were vocal. Some might some might say that they were uh, on the verge of spammy. <laughs> aggressively vocal. They were aggressively <laughs> vocal. Um, Demi Lovato's uh, fans uh, had some questions. Um, specifically, could you please update? Her total U.S. sales. Could you please give us the total sales of Cool for the Summer? And and yes. I was just going to ask you, like, do you know why this is such a hot button demi issue? You know, I don't know. Because it, it, it was so instant how it was like, we have an opportunity to ask Billboard a question like, this is the one. I'm I'm unsure. I saw there was something where she, I think, was recently received a platinum plaque mm. or I think an album or a song. Okay. Um, most a lot of these questions actually came from fans that were not in the United States, hmm. which I thought was interesting because they're asking for specifically US sales. about U.S. sales. So there must be something. Hey, fans, don't overwhelm me, but one of you can maybe just tell tell us <laughs> why you're super interested. That said. Uh, her total album sales in the United States are 2.29 million, according to Nielsen Music. Her most rec- recent album, Confident, has sold 211,000 copies in the United States. Her total digital song sales, again, in the U.S. only, stand at 19.5 million downloads. And finally, her uh, big hit from last year, which she also performed on the Billboard Music Awards this year, yes. Cool for the Summer, um, has sold 921,000 downloads. All of these sales are through the week ending June 16th, actually. Um, so uh, there's your sales update Yeah, on Ms. Lovato. You wanted it? Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> and we appreciate the passion. Well, I think that was a, fa- a fun Ask the Pop Shop. Re- uh, Those were great questions. Those were good questions. And uh, thanks to uh, the folks on Twitter and thanks to some of the folks I know on Facebook. And um, we hope to do this again soon and uh, and try to answer even more questions. Yeah. I think up next now is our guest interview time. Yes, our guest interview with Hosier. He actually came by the L.A. office to talk about his new song, Better Love, from the Legend of Tarzan soundtrack. And, of course, we also talked about his breakout hit, Take Me to Church, and its success across Billboard's charts, rock charts, Hot 100, etc., and plus, we check in on what he has planned so far for his sophomore album, the follow-up to his 2014 album. So here is our interview with Hosier. Blind to the purpose of the brute divine, but you are mine. Staring in her blackness at some distant star. The thrill of knowing how alone we are, unknown we are. Hello, Hosier, 
and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming in today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, you know, you're here today because you just released the song Better Love from the Legend of Tarzan soundtrack. Yes, yes. Um, it's a gorgeous, haunting <laughs> ballad that it really builds up as it goes. And um, I was wondering, did you write this song for the movie specifically or was it a song that you'd mm. already been working on? Yeah, no, not at all. No, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. It was kind of, it was kind of written, you know, I wrote it after after our kind of first conversation with with the with the with the filmmakers. So, and I I, I had been on tour up until this point, and mm-hmm. I hadn't been working on new music. I hadn't had a chance to work on new music. Um, so I was very eager. I'm very eager to now to work on you know more stuff and uh, further. But I think this was like the first song that I had a chance to kind of sit down and kind of wrap my head around and sink my teeth into. Yeah. Uh, after going on tour, so after coming off tour, so it was like literally the first week after after LA. So it was, we had a we had a conversation, and uh, what was frightening, I suppose, was the deadline was so short, and so, and and the song, you know, the song had to, you know, had to had to start from that point, kind of start from that point of influence, you know, um, so yeah, it was written specific, it was written, you know specifically i guess what was that process like did they um give you a script or scenes to look at um i I saw an early edit of the film okay i should say yeah so i saw an early an early edit and uh just talked about it talked about the director and and the the composer and it's 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 a you know it's it's an amazing team you know it's uh, david yates is the director he's just done some fantastic work he's yeah. working on the, the upcoming Harry Potter film as well too at the moment um, so he's very very busy <laughs> I'm sure yeah <laughs> um, and composers a guy called Rupert Gregson Williams who's lovely um, so if they invited you to come work on Harry Potter would you do that too <laughs> I, I would I, you know what you you know what you consider you know it's some yeah I mean I well I, to be honest I'm gonna take some quiet time now I yeah think this was a this was a crazy project so um, <laughs> I'm gonna it was such a it was such a I, I'm thrilled you know it was it was really fun to do but I'm, I'm looking forward to taking some quiet a time. little break oh yeah. yeah yeah um and you know love is right there in the title so I'm assuming that you know your inspiration as far as Tarzan goes was kind of the love story it, it is a love song yeah it's a love song <laughs> um uh, yeah, so it's it's a love song, and it's it's kind of I suppose at the heart of the story is a is a is a, is a love tale. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's a real it's a real adventurous film. But um, so yeah, I kind of wanted it, wanted the, the song to kind of resonate with with that, and it's and you know the the characters kind of go through a lot as well too. It's, it's a it's a, the film takes place in a very hostile environment, you right? Know? So I just I wanted to kind of kind of bring that somewhat into the song. You know? Okay, and um. You know, this is the first movie soundtrack you've worked on. Is that something that you would be interested in in doing again, depending Possi- on the project? Possibly. I feel I feel like I'm a songwriter, so you know, at the end of the day, so um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I guess I write songs, and uh, I love I love doing it. So you know, you know, any when an opportunity like this comes along, it's it's always a challenge, and I I, I do like I do like, you know, facing a challenge like that, mm-hmm. and you know, and kind of doing doing new things. I would love at some stage when the time was right to maybe you know score a film to yeah. score for film. Um but you know the, the th- everything would have to be right I think and uh, That's a lot of work too. I mean composing. Of, oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Yeah. And I have huge respect for for composers and um but yeah, yeah and 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 the musically literate let's say. Um <laughs> so I had a lot of help actually that the 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 orchestration on this song was composed by um, and arranged by Alex Ryan, who's my bass player. Okay. Just, oh wow, fantastic. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he's a close friend and just a, an, an, an 
all-around dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that trajectory happens a lot, though, if you think of, like, um, Danny Elfman going from Oingo Boingo in the 80s to becoming yeah. this film composer. Jesus, yeah. Yeah, becoming, it makes sense. Yeah, it, it, I think, yeah. And he had such a unique, you know, he has, that's just that Danny Elfman kind yeah. of, you know, um, thing going on. But, um, yeah, and he's... Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, there you happens, go. Yeah. Future, the mm-hmm. f- what might be uh, what your future holds. Mm-hmm. Um, did you kind of think about any of your favorite movie music when you were working on this at all? Um, yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. I think I have a lot of yeah. Obviously, I have a lot of famous movie music. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe a little bit in the production, I suppose. Um, like I'm a I'm a huge huge fan of of people like Ennio Morricone and and, mm. and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously. But I think you know I, I wasn't in the, for this for this project. I, I was kind of outside of the the score, sort of, right. of, of the actual you know side of things. You know, uh, this was very much a contemporary song. You know, the, the early discussions were, you know, that you know, were, were looking for a contemporary song, and I wanted to make sure it, it felt it felt like it resonates with the film, but also it, it, it feels natural to 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 myself, and it feels like natural. It feels like something that I that I could write, right. you know, and. It, feels like it's coming from me and coming from my voice right like inspired by the story but not set in that period or that time i basically. suppose so yeah I, I wouldn't yeah i wouldn't be on the nose it wouldn't be so on the nose in that I, the person singing the song is, is tarzan himself right <laughs> <laughs> i maybe alexander skarsgård breaks into it during he, the movie you know what i i, I actually talked about that and i was <laughs> i was incredible i was one of my demands and it was um yeah made sure that was in the contract yeah like, I i'll was do like, it yeah i was like i'll do it <laughs> Can we recast Margot Robbie? Right. Just maybe, you know, maybe I could fit it. I'd fit it in a great dress. Sure, I would yeah. really fill out a good yeah. dress. And He's tall. You're tall. It would th- really work. In those arms? You know, are you kidding me? <laughs> Jesus. I absolutely love it. Um, and when did you fill the, film the uh, video that went with it? Um, so, okay. Only like two weeks ago. Two no or way. Three, two, two or three weeks ago. That that really... There, there's they turned the, that around. There's the... There's, there's the, there's the, there's the, there's the uh, the the pretty mysticism gone right there <laughs> and this was this was yeah it really was a very kind of you know uh, not that it not that it was we had to it was rushed in any way you know basically it was it was a sh- it was a short deadline a very short deadline for me in the way I usually work so I, it was kind of those, one of those things that I just said look we have three three weeks to you know conceive of to put a demo to start recording if it's okay to you know record that demo and then do another session in Abbey Road to put the orchestration on it to mix it and master it and literally it was like three or four weeks uh, deadline and then after then that is then such the, a tight deadline yeah and I, I just I was I don't know how I don't know I've never worked in that in that regard right. I enjoyed the challenge um, and, and it, you know it was exciting but and then then there was the video that had to be done before that you know so <laughs> it was a, it was literally I think it was the video is is you know there's a lot of footage from the film in it, um, and then the parts where I think the performance side of it is is directed by a guy called Kevin Godley, mm-hmm. who's a fantastic fantastic director and uh, musician also. But um, yeah, so that was that was done a couple wow. weeks ago in, in 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 Dublin. Well, and I saw your post on Twitter about when you were recording at Abbey Road, and I never would have thought that was this song there because that was so quick. Sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so, you know, this is the first new music that your fans have really gotten to hear since your 2014 debut album. Um, were you conscious of that when you said yes, (laughs) when you said yes to this project, were you conscious of that? Um, you know, knowing that this would be like your first kind of musical statement since then? I suppose so. Uh, In a way, because I've been on the road for so long, 
uh, I've been on the road for two and a half years, and so yeah, wow. I released I, re- I released the album now at this stage. It's been two and a half years since I unpacked the suitcase. <laughs> That's insane. Um, so yeah, I, and I, I the last album was it was released in late 2014, and I kind of feel like you know I've been working and promoting that album for about two years now, um, and so I haven't I haven't had a break and I haven't had time away. So uh, I, I'm very very eager to get working on the next album, but I really need some time to unwind and to take a break. So in a lot live of ways, some life probably yeah totally yeah. and so in that regard I think it's, I kind of saw this project as I suppose it'll be the last thing people see of me for, for quite a while for a so bit yeah for a bit I won't say too long but sorry everybody for a little, for a little <laughs> bit so and it was nice because I don't know what, what shape and what feel and what sound the next album will take right so it was nice to, to get involved in, in, a, in, in this project work again with Rob Kirwan who was my producer of the last album and kind of you know it you know, it's it's a song that is that I you know maybe could have could have belonged on the on the on and I don't know it could belong on the, on the next album or but it, you know working with the producer and exploring that again and working with Roy Doyle on drums and Alex Ryan, uh, the bass player. It was just I don't know. It was it was nice. It was I was felt ready to to, to do something. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it for a break. You know, you say that now, but then maybe you'll just start writing things yeah. when you have that break, yeah. and yeah. maybe it'll all be oh, three I'm, weeks I'm in Abbey Road. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, you made such a huge impact with your first album, thanks to the global success of Take Me to Church. And since we're Billboard, we'll look at the charts there. The song hit number two on our Hot 100. We always look at the, charts. Look at the charts. We love the charts. Billboard. I'm sure I'm sure artists have a <laughs> love-hate mag- relationship with the, the charts. The magazine is called Billboard. Yeah. Don't, look at the, don't look at it. No, don't look at the Billboard charts, Billboard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And it, of course, topped our Hot Rock songs. And actually, when I was researching for this interview it uh was even on our dance club songs chart isn't that crazy it's incredible um i was very fortunate i was very fortunate can you kind of talk about you know what uh doors that success really opened up and the opportunities that it it brought you yeah um i'm still i'm still kind of figuring that out and i keep that's such an inadequate answer but i think um at the time i was so you know you're so you know if i could do it all again maybe I'd, i'd think differently about it but I was so you're so wrapped up in it and you're so you're such in a state of just you know here's the next thing here's the next thing and you're just go 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 every, you know you're literally every minute of every day is is working towards you're making a count and you're you know you're doing you know three sessions a day you know seven interviews and then a, and then a, and then a performance and then a meet and greet and then you're kind of then you do it again the next day so it was I didn't allow myself and in a way I'm glad I didn't allow myself to to engage too much with the kind of the textual uh, definitions of success, right. you know what I mean, or the numerical definitions of success. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah, the doors had opened. I mean, obviously, I was. It was such an honor to be nominated for, you know, say, you know, for the and for the Billboard Awards, for you know, a Grammy. You know, I, I came over to uh, that is just beyond. Like, it was just beyond kind of any expectation I would have had right. for my debut album, hands down. Um, so. Just thrilled, and to meet the people that I've met, the artists that I've met, um, and to be able to kind of share, share I, just, I don't know, just have that experience, it bl- blows me away. I think because it was such a, it was a real kind of do-it-yourself project to begin with. I think if any, if anything, I hope that people are encouraged that if I could do this, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of talent out there that could do something similar. Yeah. Um, you know, the 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 the, the charts are a daunting thing, and it's very very it feels very very hard for a new artists to to feel like they will ever get their music on radio because, you know, those avenues sometimes feel like they're a little bit closed, yeah. you know. Um, so I don't know. And 
just through streaming, through sharing kind of platforms and discovery platforms, my music got to people in a, in a kind of a, you know, in a fairly, you know, just on the ground floor, you know, and, and was shared um, in that regard. And I, I was incredibly lucky. I think if I could do that, there's a lot of people who could. Yeah. Um, as for the doors that opened for me, obviously, you know, it, it, it is fantastic and, it, and it's wonderful. But I kind of, I want to... Maybe take 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 a break, take a breather. I feel like you know one album is not a career. You know one one hit song, as amazing as it is, is 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 not not as such. But I want to, I want to be able to keep making music that people can enjoy. Yeah. And, um. So I'm gonna take a break and, and work on the next album. I'm really excited. For <laughs> you mentioned the Grammys. Um, your performance there with Annie Lennox was mm-hmm. epic. Um, that's one of those you know pairings that might have seemed odd or whatever beforehand, but then the two of you. It was just like really magical. Take me to church and, and I put a spell on you. How did that all come together? She is she is dynamite. She mm. is just a legend. Um, uh, I was I think it came together. So the first I heard was like you know kind of talking through and saying hey how would you feel about you know you know sharing the stage with Annie Lennox if, 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 if you were performing at Grammys? I was like what you know <laughs> a few backflips later I'm like yeah of course yeah um, I would love to and uh, she is you know just. You know, she's just an incredible performer, just an incredible presence. And so, I, I you know, it, it was actually the decision of the, a producer with the Grammys called Ken Ulrich, who, uh, you know, puts together a lot of these duets. Yeah. Um, and I met her in L.A. a few days before the Grammys, and we kind of ran over the idea. I think initially we, we, we weren't sure she had an album out uh, called, I think it's called, it was called Nostalgia, uh, which was nominated for a Grammy. It was like kind of classic R&B songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really works because, you know, we, we just talked about it and we kind of riffed around with it. And, you know, I think we had one day of rehearsal together. And, and I just, I just, I, I think I took a lot away from that experience with her. But also, you know, being as green as I was, just sharing the stage with her was, was a dream. And, and, you know, terrifying dream, but like just a wonderful <laughs> one at the same time. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. She is. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned that you're taking a pause <laughs> before you get back into things. Yeah. Um, you mentioned also that you, you know, such a DIY kind of album process. Do you kind of want to see if you can get back to that yes, for the second album? Totally, totally. So now part of it is through necessity of just being an awful control freak. But I think <laughs> um, some of it is just I was comfortable the way I did the, the first album. It was the first time I, you know, I was writing music from a younger age and recording different projects. But I think. It was the first time that it was the first time I was ever happy with my own music, and happy with the process, and that's why I re- waited until I was twenty three before I released music. I think, um, you know, or you know, fully, you know, fully ready to release music until I was twenty three, and then I was, so I want to do that again. So yeah. I was tempted. Like I love coming to LA. It's it's such a beautiful place. Oh, I'm glad you time. like it. Oh Not everyone God. likes it. I, I, do, <laughs> I love it. I do. At first, I was I was I was confused by the place. Sure. I didn't know how. It's so big. It's mm-hmm. so vast. It's the same with, and it's it's not it's not like an immediate city. Like you you can land in New York and walk down a few blocks, and everything is immediately boom. Like it's it's right there in front of your yes. face. L.A. is a place that takes a bit more time. A little discovery. Of, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so the more I come to L.A., the more I I see what's amazing about it. But I I'm tempted to do the to the bad thing and just you know you know move into the city and 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 uh enjoy myself but <laughs> a bit too much no i'm joking um the i'm gonna move into the countryside and, and do exactly as i did on the on the first album just a bit of headspace and 
just take my time with it. Back in Ireland? Then? Back in Ireland, yeah. Yeah. yeah I just visited so. for the first time. It's incredible oh, well, there. Where'd you go? Um, I went to Dublin and to Galway City. Nicely done. It was just absolutely. Nicely done. Yeah. Okay. Did you have fun? Oh, my goodness. So much fun. Okay. Yes. Actually, my maiden name is Byrne, B Y R N E. So you, you were go. probably related you somehow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was really nice. I felt very like at home there, right, right. actually. So, Byrne, so you probably, do you know, is your family from, would be from Dumb- Dumb- I have no idea. I don't know like my ancestry at okay. all. My dad, my dad's family was the Byrne side. Okay. And, yeah. A lot of Byrne's in Wicklow. So yeah. Not, yeah. And Dublin, Wicklow area. Okay. Yeah. And that's where you're from, right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah I can't wait to go back. I that's cool. adored yeah, it. Yeah, we could be, could be related. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, you know, and finally, uh, this interview happens to be on a very big political day. Um, oh, the UK God. voted to leave the European Union. And you're oh. from Ireland, which is not part of the UK, but it's still a huge deal oh, God. for European politics. Oh, stop. I'm just curious. Oh, Jesus. About how you felt about this or whether it was a surprise <sighs> to you. I think, I think we all have the, uh, we all run the risk of thinking that people have common sense sometimes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think it'll be okay. Look, I don't. I'm not going to add to the, the to the doom and gloom of of today because I think there's enough of that going on. And um, and it was doom and gloom that got us into this, got us into this kind of demagoguery and this kind of into this, you know, referendum result. So my my heart breaks. I was around. It was around. You know, eleven o'clock. 10 o'clock in the morning I yeah. was just gobsmacked like because you know the Remain the Remain was ahead by a few points and then it just swung and like the markets went up and then like, it's, what kills me is that it's 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 the younger generation that is going to suffer right it's going to suffer from this and the majority were you know older older folks this and what kills me is that it does it's not a good look it's not pretty a lot of a lot of the leave campaign you know was centered around a fairly, you know, just, you know, essentially, you know, a a thin, sometimes a thinly veiled xenophobia, you know, just control our own borders. And Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a good look. And I don't think that it's, I don't think it represents, uh, I don't think it represents Britain. I don't think it represents the UK, you know, all too well. I just, it breaks my heart for, for my generation in Britain who, you know, who, are going to suffer this, and again, I just think it's a massive betrayal of that generation. Huge betrayal. It's a betrayal of like of of. Um, I just and my heart breaks for for people in Scotland as well too, and and people in like it's it complicates matters greatly oh, in, yeah. in Ireland and greatly you know for the border and stuff like that and up north. So I don't know. I can't comment on it. At the end of the day, we can talk forever about it. Britain's not going to sink. Like this, it's you know life will go on. It's not nothing's going to change. Life will go on. But I just it's you know. I just think it's uh, it was it was demagoguery. Like I just think it was it was it was smoke mirrors and, and demagoguery that kind of got us into this. There's I, d- I don't know I don't know how it how it happened like it happened, but like it will be okay. But I just you know anyone I would just say anyone who voted to 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 remain you know just keep keep fucking fighting fighting the good fight and you know and punish politicians for it you know if you can yeah. Well, that is the most political that the Pop Shop podcast has ever gotten, See? but we, I really <laughs> right, appreciate sorry. you commenting on that. Right. Um, thank you so much for coming in and joining us, and, and we're looking forward to whatever the next chapter of music brings. Okay, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Every Sunday's getting marbly, fresh poison each week. We were born sick, you heard them say it. My church offers 
thank you so much to Hosier for stopping by. What a pleasure to have him actually in the office. Just a great dude all he, around. He's he's a uh, the, the, I think I've interviewed him maybe like once or twice in like, so tall, very tall, <laughs> very and, and a very nice gentleman. Oh yes. Well, now I think it is time for our chart stat of the week. Yeah, I think so too. Ooh, yay! <laughs> um, and funny enough, it, this is actually uh, related to an act that we mentioned early on oh. in the show. Uh, 25 years ago this week, on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, dated July 6th, 1991, Van Halen debuted at number one with "For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge." It was the band's first album to bow at number one and their third chart topper overall following 5150 and OU812. They have a thing with acronyms. I guess so. Because if you look at the acronym for For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, it might spell out something. Hmm, it might. It might. Um, you know, they're a rock band. Those, those cheeky guys. <laughs> a podcast. You yeah. can say things like yeah. that. We're not going to. <laughs> nope. Uh, after For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, the group notched two more number one albums with 1995's Balance and their first Greatest Hits album, Best of Volume 1. Um, who was their lead singer for for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge? That would have been Sammy Hagar. Yeah, that's still. what I thought. So that means that in the like David Lee Roth heyday in the 80s, they never had a number one album. That is indeed wow. true. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, did you know, Katie, that all but one of Van Halen's 12 studio albums have reached the top 10? Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, only their first album, their self-titled debut album, way back in 1978, missed the top 10. It peaked at number 19. And to your note a moment ago about the David Lee Roth era, um, his last album with the band was 1984. Okay. Well, his last, well, no, take wow. that back, because he came back again yeah, more recently. Yeah, but 84? That's so much earlier than I thought it was. Wow. It, yeah, the, the album that everyone thought would have been number one sure. was their big pop breakthrough, 1984 which peaked at number two wow. on the Billboard 200. Um, and that was the album that had their only Hot 100 number one single, Jump. Um, of course, you know, with the famous, you know, synthy bits. Jump! Dun, dun, dun. Along with their other Hot, one, Hot 100 hits like I'll Wait, Panama, Hot for Teacher. So good. The album spent five non-consecutive weeks stuck at number two behind Michael Jackson's Thriller and the Footloose soundtrack. Like two massive 80s albums. So Massive. You, but, you know, they eventually got some number ones. But, yeah, it was just one of those weird chart things uh -huh. where the album you thought went to number one didn't. So. Wow. Anyway, there's your chart stat of the week. 25 years ago, Van Halen debuted atop the Billboard 200 with four unlawful carnal knowledge, one of five number one albums for the rock band. Well, that's a wrap. Uh, I, 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 you know, do you have any parting words? You know, ask the pop shop reflections. Well, I was thinking when we for the song that we go out on, oh, yeah. maybe we should choose a, a Van Halen song, specifically one that we think that our diva Pat Benatar would have especially killed. Mm. Let's see. I was my my thought like went straight to Panama. I could just see her hollering out, Panama. <laughs> Panama. Uh, 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 uh. Yes. Yeah, let's go out in Panama. All right, see you guys next week. Bye. Hello. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.